Well, we had a very full house last night. For those of you who made it, it was a, an astronomer's reflection on Isaiah 40 and really on all of creation. And it was recorded, so if you weren't there, you're welcome to join that. Now, this is kind of Alumni Reunion Week, Christian Life Week, all wrapped together, so we end up with a lot of stuff going on this week. And I don't want you to miss it, especially if you want to fit some of these things in. So this is a way of just re-hitting that nail again on the head. Tomorrow night, Wednesday night, story time. It's with Howie and Joanne Brandt. Joanne was born, I mean, Howie was born in Ethiopia. They um, consider us guests in their school because they both graduated in 1966 from Prairie Bridal Institute and went on to Seattle Pacific together. Um, and then uh, Howie went on to do his doctoral work at Ted's Trinity Evangelical Seminary, while Joanne went to do her doctoral work at Northwestern, one in missiology, the other in, uh, in anthropology. They both were leaders in the um, SIM, different levels of, of, of stuff, and I'll let them tell about that. But I find it most interesting that Joanne was the leader, the director, for South Sudan for a number of years. Now, that's an interesting part of the world, and I'm sure that'll be part of their story time tomorrow night. So I just want to make sure you've got that on your radar, if you can fit it in, and if you want to be there, or if you've got others who might be here. On the subject of Ethiopia, so they spent many, many years in Ethiopia, and then also in Ghana. Do we have anybody in the room from Ethiopia? Oh, boy, we caught Freo missing. Skip. Yes? You're, where were you from? Yeah, where? Where Addis? Okay, so Ethiopia. Okay, um, we've got a student, Freya. We, we might have any others. Yes, what? Where are you from? Ethiopia, also lovely. Good to have you here. Any others? Okay, so we do have a few people from these. You'll want to also be able to connect. Um, on Friday night, this is a special request. I'm, you do not have to come to this. We're not going to take attendance, but we would love to have you come to the Friday night regraduation. You're going, oh man, a regraduation. No, no, no. Hang on. This is the 50 year class that's coming back to regraduate on Friday night. So let me say, Wednesday night is a parable place. Friday night, I don't remember where it is. I think it's probably in here in uh, North Hot. Friday night. We would like as many students as possible to come to that. Now, I did a bad job selling it last year, and I don't want to misrepresent it. It is a graduation. Howie will speak, um, and by that time, you'll have heard enough from him to know whether or not you want to hear him again. Small threat. But, um, but the, the, the really riveting part of that service is when the class that graduated 50 years ago prays for the students who are here now. Now, if I was you, I would want to be part of that passing of the baton and the prayer that they have for you. And I want to ask you, please, if you can be here Friday night, I'd be just personally grateful to you for being here. Enough about all this selling stuff. Let's get to work. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the privilege of gathering together. We pray that you would bless Howie and Joanne, our distinguished alumni who are here this week. We pray that you would give them an overflowing measure of your spirit that they would overflow all over us. We pray that you would mess up our lives, that we would never be the same for having been here this 
hour today and this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Howie Brandt, please welcome. Thank you so much, Mark. Am I on? Good, we got power here. And let me welcome you because we were here before you. And uh, I just think back, you know, 1961, I came to high school, and this was the high school auditorium. And I sat right about there. <laughs> and, you know, it was then that God began to work in our heart. And uh, those five years that I spent here, four years for Joanne, were the period of spiritual formation in our lives. And yes, we did many studies, and you heard a little bit about that, but the time that God really worked in us and the time that God really molded our spirits and formed us and prepared us for things we could never have imagined happened right here, and it's just a thrill. May I know, please, how many of you are first-year students here? I want to just see the hands. Wow, that is really impressive. Thank you. You can put that down. And that's really, really exciting. I understand that you've had a series on Acts. Is that correct? You've been studying Acts, and then recently you had something on Pentecost. Is that correct? Okay. Well, that's really great. I was really tempted to bring a series to you on Acts because I've written a commentary on it. I've taught it for many, many years. Love the book of Acts. But there's another book of the Bible or another character in the Bible that's very similar, actually, when you study the two of them together, and that's Joshua. And so for these next three chapels, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about this man named Joshua and just a little bit about his life. You know, you always want to go to the place of first mention. That's one of the rules of, of teaching the scripture. And where was Joshua mentioned first? And you remember back in Numbers, there was a story about the children of Israel. And as they came out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery and working there and making bricks, remember, with mortar, then with... With, without straw and all that, that God called this people, probably about maybe 2 million people, 600,000 men, about 2 million people, to take this 430-mile journey, or 430-kilometer journey, about from here to Chilliwack, so you get that in your mind, about from here to Regina, something like that, but on foot, right, and through terrible wilderness, and God called these people to go through. Now, it's kind of interesting when you study this, is that this, this route between, you know, where they were in northern Egypt and, and where they were supposed to go, that Alexander the Great did that, that march there in 10 days, just so you know, 10 days, right? So these guys took 40 years, <laughs> and so something happened in the middle, and that's the problem that we want to kind of look at today is, is that as they went through, it's kind of interesting as you study this story that they could have gone along the coastline, but God said, I'm not going to send you that way because there are giant, there are, there are, there are Philistines, there's people along the way. And may, may I say this just to you, because I'm going to fill this story with a lot of little notes in between, and it's the notes I want you to get, that, that God leads us in a way in our life with what we can handle. And, and God knew that they couldn't handle those Philistines. And so God sent them another way because God's promised not to test us above well, we're able, and I thank God that he calibrates the speed that he leads us through our wilderness. He, he calibrates that, and that's exactly what he did. Well, the story goes, he went down to Sinai, and then they came up to this place called Kadesh Barnea, and if you have a mobile device or whatever you have this morning, you can look at Numbers chapter 13, 14, 
And God told Moses to do it. And he, he called out the leaders of each tribe, 12 tribes, 12 leaders. And there's two of these men that we want to pay attention, close attention to. If you just look in your, in your Bible or whatever you have there, that in verse 8, chapter 13, Numbers, from the tribe of, Josh, uh, from tribe of Judah, remember Jesus is going to come from the tribe of Judah, came Caleb, very important man. Keep him in your mind. His name is Caleb. And then if you go down just a little bit from the tribe of Ephraim, and remember Ephraim, uh, that really was, was there, were, there were two, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim, and both of them were the sons of Joseph. So from the lineage of Joseph and from, from Caleb came these two men, and this, there was this man named Hoshi. And that's kind of an interesting name because Abraham gave, or Moses gave him a different name. And just think a little bit about this. The name Hoshi means he saves, and Moses said, no, no, I want you to be called Joshua or Yeshua, Got that name? Yeshua, which means Jehovah saves. And that, of course, was the name of our Lord Jesus. Jesus saves. That's what it really means, Yeshua. And so that's what this man was named. Very interesting guy. And so they were told to go out and spy out the land. If you look at verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev, that's the desert, and up into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people there dwell are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land is dwell with good or bad, and whether the cities are dwelling in camps or strongholds, and whether the land is poor or rich, and whether there are trees in it or not. And then this was his command, be of courage and bring back some of the fruit. So why do you think these spies were sent up there? I think they were sent up there to bring back some of the fruit and give hope to encourage the people. Say, hey, guys, we're going to a good place up here. Okay, that was the reason that they were sent there. And so these 12 spies sent out. Now, let me just back up a little bit here and, and try and get the, 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 the telescope on this big picture and just look at this a minute so we get this in our mind. We're, we're going out of Egypt and we're going to the land that flows with milk and honey, okay? To Canaan. Now, I, I believe in pictures in the Bible. I think there's symbols. I think there's things underneath that are written that we kind of need to understand. Now, I know that in some of our hymnology and so on, we talk about, you know, going to Beulah land, and we think that's going to heaven. I don't think that. There were lots of wars. There were, there were things for them to fight when they got into Canaan. But they did come out of slavery, and they did come out of bondage, and then they went to this land of what I think is blessing. I think that the land of Canaan represents the place of blessing in our life. It's, it's the place where we get together with God, where God begins to make us fruitful and blesses our lives and make us very, very fruitful. But in between, notice was this desert, was this desert. And many of us have come out of, you know, sin. We, 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 left, our, we left our Pharaoh, we left our Egypt. And we're on this way to where God wants to bless our lives. And that's, that's the picture that I want us to kind of keep in the background of our thinking this week as we talk about Joshua. A uh, place of <laughs> leeks and garlics. Uh, I don't know if you like garlic and leek, you know, but it's, it's okay, you know. But this is milk and honey over here, right? And so it's, it's, it's just taking us away from the natural and the normal of our life through the wilderness and take us to the place of rest, of God's blessing, of fruitfulness, the secret place of the Most High where God wants us to dwell. So these guys take off, and they do exactly, by the way, this idea of investigation and doing surveys, wonderful. I did it for many years in my mission. My job was to go into foreign countries of the world, and by the way, I got to about 100 of them and went to these countries and figured out 
what's going on in this country? Are there many people here, a few? You know, what's the church look like here? Does SIM have a place here or what? And, and it's a good idea to do that in our lives, to figure it out. So that's what these guys did. Now look what happened. Verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness, that's from the Negev, and they went up through Zin of Rohab, and they went to, what is it, Lobo Hamath, and they went into the Negev, they came as far as Hebron. Very important spiritual principle. Listen now carefully. This land of blessing had five fortresses to keep people out. If you went up the seacoast, there was Gaza. If you came up from the south, there's Hebron. If you came in from one side, there's Jericho. If you came a little further north, there's Bashan. And if you came to the north, there's Megiddo. Five fortresses to keep you out of the land of blessing. If God wants to take you to a blessing and to a fruitful ministry, you can be absolutely certain that there will be obstacles along the way. The enemy of our souls makes sure that you don't get there without going through some testing. That will happen in your life. And by God's grace today, I want to look at how we get past that testing. So where they went through was through the southern, right up the southern route. And they came to this place called Hebron. Okay, now look at it. Very interesting. This is a very, very interesting verse. And if you look at it. So they went up from the Negev and they came to Hebron. And notice what they found there. <laughs> they found three of these people called the Anakim. Very, very interesting name. There were giants in the land. Now, I don't understand this whole thing, but the only other place in the Bible where these Nephilim are mentioned by name is in Genesis 6, when the sons of God visited the daughters of men and had children with them. Wow! And here are still some of these Nephilim around. That's very complicated. I got some theories about it. I'll talk to you about them afterward. But here they are, and there's this tribe of giants. Now, these aren't little people. These are real giants. Uh, we have the picture of one of them. His name is Og, king of Bashan. And it tells us this guy's 13 and a half feet tall, you know? These are big dudes. I mean, they're big people, you know? 13 and a half feet tall. And look, look at their names. You got your Bible up there? Look at their names. I think they're great names for giants. If I was a giant, I'd be called a He-Man. That's his first name. That's the first guy, right? Second guy, Shishai, <laughs> you know. Third guy, Talmai. Don't you think those are great giant names? Those are great giant names, aren't they? And there's these three giants there, and they see these guys, and, and terror and fear is struck into their hearts. Well, just a, a little note here, because as you study these people, and by the way, they're called all kinds of names in the Old Testament. The Nephilim, the Rephim, Zumamim, Imamim, Anakim. There are all kinds of different names for these people. But these people were believed to be, and I think they actually did, have occult power. They were somehow connected with evil forces. And so it wasn't just tall people. There's some spiritual force here. There's a spiritual opposition. And these people are feared. Now, I've lived many years in Africa and so on, and I know that unusual people are, you know, they're feared, but I think there was something very special about these people. They were feared, and they struck terror into the hearts of these, uh, these spies as they went up. So you know the story, and I'm not going to belabor this story. When these people came back, 
uh, verse 29, at the end of 40 days, they came back and they gave the report. And you know what happened, don't you? Ten of the spies said, look, <laughs> there's no way we're going to go up here. There's no way. We went up there and we saw these Anakim. We saw these giants. Just, just look at the verse there. Let's look at it in verse 31. The men who had gone up with them, they said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And so they brought to Israel a bad report. And look down here just a little bit. Verse, uh, what is it? Just a little bit here. The land through which we had gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Look at this. And all the people that we saw in it are great size. Woo! You know, how many did they see? Three. But, you know, all the people. There are giants in this place. There's no way we're going to do it. <laughs> they saw three and, you know, they said the whole land. They went on. Look at this. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. You see that? And so we were, and we seemed the same to them. So they not only saw their own inability and their fear struck them, they saw themselves as a, as a grasshopper. How high is a grasshopper, you know? And they were giants. And they said, they looked as, we look like that to them too. And they projected, of course, their feelings onto that. Giants. Giants. You will face giants. <laughs> you will face. They'll be, they'll be on your way. <laughs> there will be moral giants. There will be intellectual giants. There'll be relationships. There'll be people that you'll run into. There'll be situations that you face. There'll be disappointments. Some of you will have your hearts broken. Some of you will mourn. You'll go, some of your dear friends will go through death. Some of you are disappointed. Some of you will be turned down by the organizations or the jobs that you want to go to. And you'll face these obstacles. These obstacles will definitely come to you. Believe it, believe it, believe it. They will come to you. And you have your choice. You have your choice whether you look at them with fear <laughs> or you look at them with faith. You have your choice. You make the decision. Because 10 of these people <laughs> looked at these giants with fear. And fear will terrorize you, and fear will stop you cold. You will not inherit the blessings that God has for you if you allow a giant to defeat you. Now look at Caleb and Joshua. It's very interesting. By the way, uh, when this happened, Moses and Aaron, they rent their clothes, and they wept all night, and so on. And uh, they began to talk about what was happened. In verse 6 of chapter 14, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephnua, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land. He will give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Now that little phrase is very interesting, milk and honey. That was what God promised Moses way back when he called him. That's what Moses promised the children of Israel. There is a land of milk and honey. You get out of the garlics, you get out of the leeks, you get out of the, the wilderness, you get out of this, this in-between stage in your life of wandering around and not knowing where you are and what you're doing. There is a place, and God will give it to us if you do not, verse 8, if you do not rebel. What's rebellion? <laughs> rebellion is, is taking your life out of God's hands and saying, no, 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 God, I, I don't want to go that way. I, no, no, I'm not going there. I got this trouble over there. I'm not going. That's, that's rebellion. That's resisting God. So he says, 
Do not rebel. Verse, it keeps going. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred. Look at this little next phrase here. You got it? Are you in your Bible? Their protection has been removed from them. Do you notice that phrase? Their protection has been removed from them. This land, <laughs> ruled by giants, right? Ruled by the forces of darkness, ruled by Satan and his minions, okay? That God has already gone in there and has removed that, has taken that away. Protection, that word is actually shadow. It's, this, it's the same word that's used in Psalm chapter 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the, the shadow of the Almighty. Now that's God's protection. And here it says that their protection has already been gone. Now, friends, it takes the eyes of faith to see what God does. It takes, you see what faith does? Let me tell you what faith does. Faith looks at the giant, and it looks right through the giant, and sees God on the other side. It's what happened to Jesus on the cross, who for the joy that was set before him endured the giant, the cross, for the joy that was endured the cross, and now is seated at the right hand of God. That's what faith does. Faith penetrates. It looks through the problem, and it says, problem, I see you. You're a giant. By the way, <laughs> if you're a grasshopper and you see a giant, how high does a giant look? You know, mountains, right? If you are God and you see a giant, how high is a giant? Have you ever flown in an airplane? <laughs> Have you looked, ever looked down on a tall building from an airplane? Let's forget airplanes. Google Maps. You been on Google Maps? Okay. Have you ever looked out at a tall building on Google Maps? How high is it? You know, it, it's nothing, right? And see, fear and faith are the exact opposite of one another. Now, God wants to build your faith. Faith is the thing that God's looking for in you. Every time Jesus found faith, he commended people for it. Every time people lacked faith, he said something about it. Where is your faith? How comes it? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You cannot please God without faith. Now, God doesn't care if you're a missionary like I've been or a housewife. What God has set before you is a road, a path that only you have. Nobody else has your path. You're the only one. And when you get to the end of life, God's going to judge you not by what road you took, but, why, but rather, rather by if the road that God gave you, if the course that was set out before you, if you ran that course in faith. At the end of the line, you will be judged for your faith. And if you have run your course by faith, God will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. So that's the thing that God's trying to build in you. God, yeah, good for knowledge, yeah, all that degrees, yeah, go, go for it, all the whole thing. But the real thing God wants to see in your life is, are you growing in faith? Are you trusting me? Are you putting your rest on me? Are, are you looking with your eyes, just physical eyes? Or are you like Joshua? Do you back up and, and say, oh, no, no, no. I see what God's doing here. I see that God has taken away their protection. And God promised us this with his word. He said there is a land of milk and honey, and let's go for it. And that's exactly what Joshua said. And so that's the big lesson. Now, I'd like to finish this out just a little bit because it's so interesting to see where this story went. God was really angry at the people. And God basically told Moses, okay, 
If the, look, I, I did all these things for the people. I got them out of the Red Sea. I took them all the way through the wilderness. I got water for them. I gave them man every day. I did all this stuff now. Look, they said they're not going to go. They're going to go back to Egypt. So you know what, Moses? I'm going to disinherit them. I'm going to forget about these people. <laughs> and Moses falls on his face before God, and he becomes an intercessor. He cries out to God. He says, oh, God, don't do it. If you leave these people, what will the Egyptians say? What will the others say? And the Lord says, okay, all right, I won't, I won't do that. But you know what? None of these people who, who were tormented in fear, these, these, these people, none, none of the ten spies and none of these people are going to see the land. Only Joshua and Caleb and those under 20 years of age. And so I don't know if you can imagine wandering around the wilderness for 40 years as, you know, here comes Joe and he dies and Mary dies and who dies and who dies and who dies. And all these people, one after another, they die until there's only these few people, these people who are left there with people of faith. And then they go into the land and Joshua leads them into the land. And something very, very interesting happens when they go into the land. Please, if you have just a moment, flip over to Joshua again book of Joshua this time, and I want you to look at chapter 15, because when they got into the land, Caleb came to Joshua, and he said, Joshua, do you remember that God said all these other people would die, but that you and I would go into the land? Do you remember that? He says, yes. He said, well, now I want you to give me a blessing, and hear what he says. According to the command of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jethno, and so on, this place called Kirith Arba, that is Hebron. Wow. Wow, the very place where the others failed. He gave him that very place. He gave him Hebron. Let, read it, read it. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. The very same people. Now listen carefully. By this time, Caleb is 85 years old. 85. So one man, 85 years old, went in, he went up from there to the inhabitants of Deborah, and he took out these three guys, these three giants. One old man of 85, of faith, took out the three giants that turned back a whole nation in the wilderness. One man of faith. One man of faith. Wow. <laughs> Lord, make me a man of faith. Make me a man that can see through the problem. Make me a man that doesn't be fearful of giants. Lord, lead us into the land of blessing. Students, my heart, when I see you, I wish I was your age. I wish I could do it all over again. I know if I did it again, I'd do it with faith, not with fear. Many, many obstacles along the way. But looking through the problem, and seeing God there, and being a person of faith. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, these students have, have listened to me, <laughs> which is nothing. But Lord, I pray that as we've talked this morning, that the Spirit of God has touched their hearts. Lord, many don't even know what their giants are right now. <laughs> Many of them have never seen those giants. They don't know, but they're there. They're there. And some of them, Lord, know the giants and even are wrestling with them right now. Things to stop them. Lord, things that will cause them to wander around in the, 
in the wilderness of life. They're, they're Christians, they're Christians, but they'll wander around in the desert for years unless, Lord, they can overcome the giants of their life. Lord, I pray today that you will give faith, that faith will enter in, that we'll look through the problem. I don't know what their problem is today. I don't know what problem will confront them, Lord, but you know, you know. And I pray, Lord, that even as you, even as you faced the cross and you persevered by faith and are seated at the right hand of God, I pray, Lord, that whatever problems and issues come up in our lives, or even are here now, that by faith, Lord, you'll help us to pierce through the darkness and see you on the other side in your greatness and your wonder and cause us to trust and put our faith in God. Fear, faith. Lord, if we look at the giants, we'll be afraid. If we look at you, our hearts will be filled with faith. A.W. Tozer, faith is the gaze of the soul upon God. Look at him. Look at his provision. Look at how he chose you. Look at how he led you. Look at how he chose you. You could have been born 500 years ago in Mongolia to a Buddhist monk. But here you are. And God put you here right now at this time in history, at this place, with your family, your people. And God has a plan for your life. Lord, I pray that you fill our lives with faith this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name.